Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Rutia. Per usual, we got plenty to touch on with the football team. Uh, transfer portal just closed and a couple of notable Miami Hurricanes jumped in the portal at the deadline. We'll discuss that. We have the departure of our first staff member from the 2022 team. Uh, we will touch on that. Then, as always, we will touch on recruiting. Recruiting never stops, and the 2024 cycle is upon us with Miami hosting plenty of big-time prospects here this weekend. We'll get into that, and we will also get into maybe some of the early 2024 quarterback names to know from a Miami perspective. Uh, but before we dive into the show, let's get a quick word in here from our sponsors. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids' selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers, for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at TorresLionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. All right, we are back. Thank you so much to our sponsors. That means the world to us. Your support uh, definitely helps. All right, Gabby, let's start with kind of the big news, I guess, of the week to this point, and that is the departure of quarterbacks coach Frank Ponce, who is returning to Appalachian State, which is where he came to Miami from. He was the offensive coordinator at Appalachian State in 2021, did a good job there. Uh, Appalachian State had a great season this year offensively as well, um, without Coach Ponce, their offensive coordinator, departed, and uh, that opening was a situation that Frank Ponce uh, decided to go back to. Um, my biggest takeaway, I think, in terms of just whether or not to, to leave Miami, I think if Coach Ponce really wanted to stick around Miami, I think he definitely could have been in the mix for the wide receiver position. Uh, if that came open, or I should say when that comes open. Um, I don't think he would have been under consideration for the offensive coordinator job. 
if slash when that would have come open at Miami. Um, and I think he kind of knew that and he wants to be an offensive coordinator. So I think he felt like it was the best move for his career to go back to App State, which he likes it there. Uh, he's a fan of that program and that town and that life. And he wants to be a coordinator. And I think, you know, one or two good years there, he'll make the jump up to being a power five coordinator somewhere. Um, so good luck to coach Ponce. I don't think it was any bad blood between him and Mario or anything. Um, but what was your take on it, Gabby, when you saw that news pop? I think once the Appalachian state job opened up, it kind of, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like both of us kind of our ears perked and it's just like, that's a situation that made sense, David. And you mentioned coach Ponce and how much, you know, he loves that area. Like I know he absolutely loves Boone, North Carolina. He loves App State. I don't think he ever even, I don't think he sold his house there. Like, you know, I think he still, like, even when he lived down here, I think he even had a house up there still. So, you know, I, I, I think that this is a, you know, I think it's a situation that makes sense for him. I think it's a good fit there, a place he's extremely familiar with uh, for all the reasons you mentioned too, that it didn't seem like, you know, if slash when a court, the coordinator job opened here up, up here at Miami, that I don't know if Frank Ponce was going to be seriously considered for, for that role. So I do think from a career trajectory standpoint, it made sense for him to go back to a place where he can go call plays, uh, you know, app state coordinators. Uh, this previous one just became the offensive coordinator. At, I think it's Mississippi state, right? You know, I feel it, it seems like a, a springboard job to to a bigger job. And obviously he took it to take the quarterback's job here at Miami. But I think he knows if he goes back to app, has success there to call plays. And, you know, in a couple of years, like you mentioned, he can go off into the power five somewhere and be a, a coordinator at a, at a bigger program. Yeah. And look, I think, too, just the structure of the way this, you know, Coach Ponce was in a tough position um, because of the way this offensive right. coaching staff was built. Uh, you have your offensive coordinator as the wide receivers coach in Josh Gaddis and Frank Ponce then becomes the straight up quarterback coach. Um, and I think that's just, you know, it can be done, but I think that's a tough uh, way to structure a staff. Um, I think if you're going to have that type of setup uh, with the wide receivers coach as the OC, uh, there needs to be very strong cohesion between the coordinator and the quarterbacks coach. They have to really know each other well, be on the same page, et cetera. And my understanding is, you know, not that they didn't get along, but I think there was some differences in, in the way that each guy wanted to approach things with the quarterbacks. And I think that just comes with the nature of generally it's easier to be the OC if you are also the quarterback's coach. Um, you know, I think that's fairly obvious, right? But um, that's not the way it was structured at Miami this year. And I think there was some disconnect, might be the best way to say it, between, uh, you know, Gaddis and the way he wanted to do things and the way it was communicated to Ponce to communicate to the quarterbacks. Um, I just think it was a tough situation overall for Coach Ponce um, and Coach Gaddis and the quarterbacks, et cetera. So um, I do think if slash when a move at offensive coordinator is made this offseason, um, I think that that's one big lesson learned, right? And in general, this is, I mean, 90% of the time, this is how you're going to structure your staff. But I think it's pretty obvious after this past year that the best way to go about doing it is have your OC and quarterback coach kind of be the same guy, right? Um, so what does this mean maybe for a ripple effect? Hey, Gabby, I, I mean, look, we're not here officially reporting anything, but I think it's fair to say you and I would both be very surprised if Josh Gaddis returns in 2023, correct? I would definitely be surprised. Um, I mean, I would... It's been a really weird dynamic. I mean, I don't even know that Josh Gaddis has really been around the, the building, right? Like, I know yeah, that Miami for a sent, week or so. Maybe it's been. I checked in on Wednesday night if uh, you know Gaddis had been around, and it was still a no. I know they sent David Cooney, the wide receiver analyst, out on the road recruiting, so he's 
you know, out there offering wide receivers in Texas and St. Louis and all these different places. Like he's the one that, uh, you know, that responsibility has, has fallen on. And again, I don't think that anyone's been given any official word. It's not like it's like this in-house secret that, you know, Josh Gaddis isn't back or anything like that. I think they're feeding him some sort of other thing, but I mean, I, I think it's at the point where the writing's kind of on the wall because an, an an extended absence like this while sending, you know, another, you know, staffer on the road to kind of cover the wide receiver stuff at the turn of the calendar when it's such an important time to kind of establish those relationships and get into those schools with the coaches. Um, I don't know. To me, again, it's it, it seems like I would I'm at the point where I would be surprised if, you know, I got a text saying, hey, you know, he's in the building. So let alone be the offensive coordinator at Miami in 2023. So that's, I guess, my take on the situation. And I agree, David, just kind of touching on your last point, I think from a staff structure standpoint, it makes it seems like it makes way, way, way more sense to go OC quarterbacks coach, you know, wide receiver coach, because if you do need to make a change somewhere like now, because again, let's say they liked uh, Frank Ponce, but you needed to sw- make the switch at the offensive coordinator, wide receiver, coach. like how many offensive coordinator, wide receiver coaches are there? Right. Like right. you need to, it, it, it's a weird, it's kind of like, I'm sure there are some and some that are capable of doing it, but it's definitely a dynamic that's not as, you know, direct as OC quarterbacks coach. So yeah. Um, I do think, you know, now that Coach Ponce is gone, I, I, to me, the writing's on the wall that, you know, you're not just going to go out there and hire another quarterback's coach. You, I think you go out there, you find an OC quarterback's coach, and then maybe, you know, you can go get a big time wide receiver guy as well. So that's just my take on maybe the situation entirely right now. Yeah. And so, you know, what would be the holdup for Gaddis, I think is a fair question. And look, I think on the front end, it's worth saying, Mario Cristobal does not care about timelines at all. Doesn't care. I think um, we all learned that last coaching cycle, right? Like, I don't know if that's like, we learned ho- ho- it. hopefully I, we, we, that, that became clear. Yeah. We learned that at Miami. Right. And he's exhibited that behavior, his entire, you know, his coaching career since being the head coach at Oregon. Um, he's not gonna rush into these things. So I think that's at play. I think he's also, you know, I think he wants to operate a little bit like Nick Saban, too, in that Nick Saban doesn't necessarily fire a lot of his assistants, you know, publicly. What he does is he encourages them to, you know, encourages them in one way or another, either by just not communicating much with them at all or straight up telling them, like, hey, you should probably look for your next landing spot. Just want to let you know, right? And so I think that could be at play here with Gaddis. You know, he's probably trying to find his next landing spot, whether that's, you know, NFL wide receivers coach, whether that's, I think the lowest he might go would be like the Penn State wide receivers coach opening. You know, there's chatter about Iowa. And being an offensive coordinator there, which I think he would love to do, but Iowa still has to make some moves in order to facilitate that. Um, You know, their current offensive coordinator, who is the son, I believe, of Kirk Ferentz, would have to find a landing spot of his own somewhere, right? Um, So I think there's a lot of dominoes at play, and I think Gaddis is exploring the NFL opportunity um, which means you're on an NFL calendar, right? Which is extended a lot more than college. Um, so I think that's at play. I also think potentially there could be some contract details that need to be sorted out. Just and that's just the nature of this type of stuff. Um, but regardless, you know, I think Mario is going to take his time uh, putting together his staff. And that includes offensive coordinator, any other staff changes that he decides to make, you know, look, I'm not putting a timeline on Mario. um, But I would just as a Miami, if I'm a Miami fan listening to this podcast, just come to terms with like, you might not have your full staff in place in mid November, or sorry, no, mid February, right? It could be the last week of February, et cetera, et cetera. I just think that's kind of how this whole thing's going to be trending. He's going to take his time. He's going to explore every option. 
which includes college and NFL options. So he's, he's going to get whoever he feels like is the best fit. And he's going to uh, turn over every rock until he feels ready to make a decision. Um, anything else on Gaddis? Are you good? No, nah, I'm good on that. Okay. Um, let's move on to the transfer portal closing officially on Wednesday, uh, the winter window. So there is another window. It's a 15-day window at the start of May from the 1st to the 15th. So after spring ball, if guys feel like they want to explore opportunities elsewhere, they can jump in the portal then. Um, but the window's closed. So we we should get into kind of the roster construction. I think Gabby just overall, which includes portal additions, subtractions, et cetera. Uh, once Miami's last day of registration has come and gone. Uh, but for now, it looks like there's 19 departures, uh, seven um, additions. additions Yep, in the portal. So uh, I would still be surprised, I guess, if that addition number doesn't reach 10 by the end of the May window. Um, so we'll, we'll watch out for that. But in terms of defections, two notable names hit, um, you know, the day before the portal closed, and that would be quarterback Jake Garcia, uh, former top 50 recruit, um, and starting offensive lineman Ja'Kai Clark, three-year starter uh, for the Hurricanes. And, you know, look, I think, of course, wish both of them luck. I think the moves make sense for both. Frankly, Gabby, I was surprised when, I forget when when this was out there. Maybe it was like December or so, like mid-December, I don't know. But when it was out there that Jake Garcia was going to return, I was surprised by that because all the chatter around him in the fall uh, was that he was not going to return to Miami in 2023. Um, so hopefully this means he has a landing spot. He's not, I'm sure he's not just jumping in the portal willy nilly. Um, I've kind of been told Gabby to look out for Florida there. So we'll see if, if he ends up at Florida. Um, we'll see, but he'll, he'll have opportunities to explore. and. Um, Best of luck to Jake. Really good guy. Uh, you know, it was a rough 2022 season, but I do think there's some talent there. And I think in the right system, he can be a solid college quarterback. Ja'Kai Clark, another really good guy. Wish him the best. Um, he was kind of thrust into a starting role before, quite frankly, he should have been. And that speaks to Miami's recruiting slash development at the offensive line in recent years, in my opinion, um, you know, he's, he's, he's solid, but is he a guy that should be a three or four year starter at the university of Miami? I would probably say no. Um, and I think once of course, Miami landed Matt Lee, the UCF center transfer, the writing was on the wall that, uh, Ja'Kai Clark would be best served, um, exploring opportunities elsewhere. So best of luck to both those guys. Anything to add there, Gabby? No, just kind of, I guess maybe just reiterate your point that I'm surprised it took this long for Jake to kind of hit the portal because I think when, when Jaden Rashada flipped from Miami, uh, you know, even the vibe, just kind of like checking in on the pulse of the future of the quarterback. It, I, I feel like there was, you know, a feeling, I guess, I don't know that Jake Garcia wouldn't be back in 2023. So kind of on the same boat yeah. as you that, you know, when it kind of started lingering that he was coming back, I was kind of surprised because I do think there was an expectation that he would maybe, you know, test his options elsewhere. So that's that's ultimately what happened there. Uh, but best of luck to Jake for sure. And definitely best of luck uh, to Ja'Kai. And in terms of like backup quarterback situation, I think you know during the course of the fall, people in the program were kind of telling me like, look, Ja'Kari's closing the gap. Ja'Kari's closing closing down on Jake for that number two role. I think there was at times, I mean, you can make the, de- you can make the determination on your own, whether or not you feel like Jakari passed up Jake in 2022 alone. I think it was close. I think that battle would have continued here into the spring, but 
I think if you're looking at trajectories, personally, I think, you know, there was a good chance that Jakari was about to pass up Jake here in the spring. Um, and so, look, I think it makes sense for Jake to explore opportunities. And, you know, for Jakari, he's just got to keep working, keep developing, and, uh, you know, be a solid number two quarterback here behind Tyler Van Dyke. And I think I'm going off at a tangent here, but I would think the hope is from Jakari is that Miami's offensive line is much improved this year, provides great pass protection for Tyler Van Dyke so he can have a fully healthy season, play the whole year, produce, and allow Jakari to take that redshirt year that he missed out on this past year um, so Jakari can develop, retain that year of eligibility, and be ready to compete for the starting job in, what, 2024. So I think Miami's quarterback room is still in good shape. All right, let's take a break there. Speaking of the quarterback room, we're going to touch on some 2024 quarterback names to know on the other side. All right, Gabby, recruiting never stops. And every recruiting class starts with that quarterback position. you got to land a guy that you feel like can at least be a competent starter at some point in his career, right? That needs to be the floor. And, you know, you always want to shoot, shoot for better than that. Um, but you always want to stack guys that can go out and at least function as a starter at some level. And even though Frank Ponce has moved on, he's the quarterback's coach or was the quarterback's coach. And he uh, extended a lot of these offers. Uh, Mario Cristobal recruits everyone, uh, every position. So he's certainly going to recruit some of these guys. You had a good article. I mean, it's been a little bit now, maybe three or four days ago. I don't know. Kind of mm -hmm. highlighting the names to know for Miami at quarterback in this 2024 cycle. Um, and I'll let you start and take this wherever you want. Your article probably had, I don't know, seven or eight guys listed yeah. on it. We don't have to touch on all seven or eight. Um, so let's start with, you know, whoever you want to highlight first. Yeah, let, let's start with Air Noland. I mean, I think that's probably one of my, I don't know, I feel like that's one of my maybe favorite names in the in the class of 2024. Six foot three, 195 pounder out of Langston Hughes in Georgia, just led his team to a state championship uh, this past fall, had like a ridiculous, I believe it was like 55 to four touchdown to interception radio, ratio through yeah. for, you know, like 4,000 yards plus. Um, I mean, I, I think he's, I, I don't know, to me, he's one of, I, I think he's just a kind of like a big time arm, a guy that can definitely spray it around the yard. Miami just signed his teammate, Joshua Horton, the defensive lineman in that class of 2023. Um, so, I mean, Noland is someone that kind of, he came down to Miami to watch a home game in the fall. I believe it was the Florida state game. So obviously not the best situation, but still, uh, you know, I do think that, you know, the, the idea of Miami is it, it's kind of implanted in his head, not saying that Miami's the favorite or anything like that. But I do okay. think that he's he's definitely reciprocating interest, um, you know, again, and I think he kind of checks all the, bo the boxes. He is a lefty, which is kind of different. Um, I, I think we were talking, David, it was the last time Miami had a, a lefty quarterback at Miami. I can't really think of one. Um, but I do think that Noland is is one of those names that kind of pops when, it when it, in terms of like the realistic options, like I can you, 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 like I can shoot at some like, you know, some of the like the top like main main names. But I think Noland is is one of those guys that it's like, you know, in terms of talent and like, yeah. you know, re, re, like, you know, reality, I think Nolan is probably right in that money spot in terms of just like, this is a guy that they should realistically try to go get. He's probably my favorite quarterback on this list because of the upside and potential. Um, he, I think you could argue he has the highest ceiling on this list. He's not the highest rated now. At this point, I mean, all these rankings are going to be um, changing as they should, right? As you gather more information on guys, you should update the rankings. Just judging by his huddle film, right? Because I haven't seen Air Nolan live, but on his huddle film, I think he can do it all. He's 6'3", 195. He's got to gain a little weight like all college or high school quarterbacks, um, but he can kind of flick it all over the field. 
he's he's not like a runner but he can run like he, he is an athletic runner he just prefers to do his damage from the pocket i think he throws with big with great touch i think he's got a big arm to push it downfield he seems like a guy to me that's like still kind of scratching the surface of his talent and so if he's a guy that's going to work um I think he's a very exciting guy. I think he's got some five-star talent. Um, you know, I got to see him in person, et cetera, for a real evaluation of him. But just on film, to me, he's very, very exciting. And, you know, you mentioned he's from Georgia. I would imagine there will be heavy SEC interest, of course, for him. In particular, I would keep my eye on Auburn, to me. He's that style of quarterback that Hugh Freeze goes and gets and throws for 5,000 yards with and yeah. puts up huge numbers. So yeah. um, he's not going to be an easy guy to get, I would yeah, think. Yeah, I think Auburn's probably, like, if there's, like, that school to watch right now, I think it's Auburn. They signed another one of his teammates, too, uh, yeah. a defensive back in Terrence Love, and he spent a bunch of times, a bunch of time in the plains. So I can definitely see that being um, a really good fit for, for Aaron Nolan. Who else do you like? Yeah, a, a couple of different guys I like. I mean, the next one I'll highlight, let's go Michael Van Buren. And again, I think this is more of just like the kind of like, this is someone that Miami really likes. Is he my my personal favorite? Um, not necessarily, but I can definitely see why Miami could be, is sort of attracted to him just because, you know, he's not like a small guy. I mean, he's like, I would say floating around the six foot range, but he's kind of got that dual threat ability where he can make some of those you know, throws, but I still think he has some polishing he needs to do as a passer. I kind of got to watch him in person, you know, during a showcase because he is going to be the quarterback for that raw seven on seven team that is, you know, is, is Miami based. And he's one of the right. quarterbacks that's going to be spinning it for them. You know, it seems like, you know, he has the ability to make a lot of different throws on the field, but it can be, you know, pretty inaccurate at times, but the, the highs are, are, are pretty high in terms right. of the ball placement, but the lows can also, you know, you also see that he still has a ways to go in terms of being a consistent passer, but you know, he is mobile and he can use the legs, his legs when they were working like off platform drills and stuff like that. It seemed like that's when maybe he was, he was at his best when he can kind of move around and, and move the pocket a little bit and make those types of, of, of throws. So um, I can definitely see the intrigue with Michael Van Buren. And uh, you know, I, I know again, that's, that's definitely a name that Miami values in that class of 2024. Yeah. You could see on film, right. That, um, he does make some wow throws and he might make as many wow throws as anyone on this list. But similar to what you're saying, I think the consistency factor is an area he needs to improve on and address. And that can happen with reps. Quarterbacks get a lot better over their last year at the high school level because they are competing in so many seven ons and, and uh, getting those reps. So uh, he's intriguing, but I agree. I think the consistency, level does need to improve but the upside is intriguing who else you like i'm gonna go one more kind of like maybe more realistic option and then i'll go home run um okay. for for this one i'm gonna let's go uh my luki my smith that's ooh, that's a ooh. brutal one um you know, I feel like Mario Cristobal is good to, you know, recruit guys from out West. He plays at a, a, a strong program in Northern California. If you know, Sarah, he started for the first time, you know, here as a junior six foot, 380 pounds. So checks off the physical boxes through for over 2,500 yards, completed close to 68% of the passes, 34 touchdowns to eight interceptions. And his team went 13 and one uh, made it to the CIF open division state title game. And then they got blown out by St. John Bosco, which, you know, I guess kind of happens in that state. So uh, first year starter, you know, has kind of like the track record of winning in a in a, a tough conference, got to a state title game, again, kind of checks off the boxes, you know, physically, I do think he's still kind of developing as as a passer and all that stuff. But I know Miami's kind of high on the potential upside. And, uh, you know, he's someone that I think they did a good job of evaluating because like his name first kind of emerged on my radar, uh, probably almost like a month and a half before they actually went ahead and offered him. So I think they did a deep dive on him and ended up pulling the trigger there. He's getting some he's starting to pick up some recruiting momentum now, too. Uh, so he's definitely a name if we're looking out west uh, to, to kind of know Utah just offered Cal's offered BYU's offered since Miami had. Um, so there's a couple, you know, of those, those schools out West that are, that are definitely intrigued as well. 
Yeah. So of these quarterbacks, there's there's a group, maybe three or four guys that are just kind of like solid pocket passers that can deliver the ball if you give them time, right? Kind of like an Emory Williams type, I think I would say. He, Smith, the guy you're talking about, he's my favorite of that group that Miami's offered. I'd say he's like slightly maybe more upside-ish than Emory Williams. But to me, similar in that they're, they, they're good pa- passers from the pocket, delivers a good ball, plays against solid competition in California. To me, like he's like the floor of what you should get at the quarterback position. So I agree with you. I think his film is is intriguing, and um, you know he wouldn't necessarily be a bad take if he's your quarterback in this class. Yeah. So let's go. Let's go home run, right? Um, and this is obviously a, a long shot, but you know this is a, a recruiting process and one that kind of goes on. I'm gonna throw Julian Sayan out there. He's a He's a five-star quarterback committed to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, he is he's the the primary quarterback for this raw Miami-based uh, seven-on-seven organization. So he was already down in South Florida a couple weekends ago. Couldn't go to Miami because it was a dead period. But you know, I think there was some consideration from his perspective and maybe some of the other guys of going on one of those like self-guided tours around the campus. I think they ultimately hit the pause button because they just didn't want to put Miami in a weird spot, but they were strongly considering going to campus then and just kind of walking around, uh, you know, with the seven on seven coaches as the sort of, you know, tour guides and, and all that stuff. So it seems like, you know, they were, you know, interesting going to campus. I believe, you know, he will be back, you know, Julian Sane will be on campus on Saturday whenever they go with the seven on seven team. And again, this is kind of early in the process. Uh, you know, it's still, I mean, what it's, it's January, obviously Penn won't be paper for another 11 months or so. Um, and Mario Cristobal, I think is in a position now where they need to go out and get a big time quarterback after signing Emory Williams. I think they need to try to yep. shoot for the stars on, on at least a guy, you know, at least try to make things close. And Look, we've seen what kind of not not what exactly matters with some of these big time recruitments, but what plays a factor, you know, name, image and likeness. I'm not saying it does here, but Miami is one of the primary players in the country in terms of providing those types of opportunities. So if he's a big time quarterback, uh, you know, looking for, you know, some of those types of things, I think Miami could be a spot where he could maybe give a nice hard look to. So uh, curious what the what the feedback is going to be coming off that visit on Saturday. I wouldn't be surprised. If he was one of those guys that Mario Cristobal kind of, you know, maybe tried to prioritize while they were all there, because I I do feel like landing that quarterback, getting that quarterback spot right is as important as any other position. And I do think in 2024, they need to kind of hit on an arm. Uh, I think it's really important. So um, I could see Julian Sane being like the big fish that they kind of go after considering maybe not, I don't want to say accessibility, but he is going to be around the South Florida area maybe more right. often than any other of these other big time uh, quarterbacks like the Jaden Davis or, you know, any of those or Dylan Raiola, where maybe it's, those are definite long shots. Uh, Julian Sane could be in Miami more than those guys uh, ever would be. So that's why I'd probably put Julian Sane in, in that category. And then he's just an elite arm. I mean, was very obvious say. at that showcase that he's, that's what a, a big time quarterback looks like. And we don't get a lot of exposure in-person exposure to that here in South Florida. So when you see it, I think it becomes blatantly obvious. Like, yeah, this is what a quarterback is supposed to look like. Yeah. Watching his film, you know, accuracy seems elite. Uh, anticipation, impressive. He also on his high school film works from under center a little bit, which I found interesting in terms of just being a well-rounded quarterback at the high school level. Um, I want to ask you just two guys that Miami's offered that I find intriguing just based off their film, right? Not saying it's realistic or anything. You touched on him though, and that's five-star Jaden Davis. He's uh, six foot, one ninety, out of Charlotte, North Carolina. To me, he's a, he he has interesting film. He's I wouldn't call him the most physically gifted quarterback based on his film, uh, but he just plays with a lot of control. Uh, plays at his own pace. He's not really rushed or hurried into bad decisions, it looks like. Um, He's really good outside the pocket, really good at making off-schedule plays on film, at least. Again, not a super dynamic athlete, um, but he does throw the ball well on the run. Not the biggest arm, but he will stand in the pocket and deliver it. 
seems to go through progressions pretty well for the high school level. What's your vibes on Jaden Davis? Yeah, I, I just, th- I mean, I was hoping, so I think his seven on seven organization is scheduled to be down here uh, for battle Miami, but I don't think Jaden Davis is coming down with them. It sounds like he's going to North Carolina on a visit. So that's maybe the main reason why I excluded him because I was hoping that he would take advantage maybe of the opportunity of his team going to Miami to maybe slide through the program, maybe give it a look. And it seems like he's, he's deferring, uh, you know, he's, he's going to go do something else. Um, so that, that's just telling me that maybe he's not like super interested in, you know, what Miami is, has going on right now sure. and he, that he would rather go to North Carolina a school that's in state. Uh, he's from Charlotte. I don't know how far Chapel Hill is from, uh, from Charlotte, but I can't imagine it's too far. It seems like a school you can get to plenty, uh, unique opportunity to come down to South Florida and, uh, you know, check out Miami. He's not doing that. So I think he's a great player. Um, I think yeah. he's a, a big, big time, you know, type of type of talent. I know he he took a big step from his sophomore to his junior year in terms of like the production and those different types of things. Uh, I know Michigan's in there. I know Clemson's just sent Garrett Riley to go watch him. Uh, a bunch of other dudes, a bunch of other programs in there as well. So um, I just don't see Miami uh, really having, you know, that the footing in the recruitment that maybe they would like to. Yeah. North Carolina is interesting. Like, he might be similar to Sam Howell in some ways. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and then the other guy I want to ask you about, uh, he did camp at Miami, and that's four-star Isaac Wilson. Yeah. Uh, Zach Wilson's little brother, right? He's out of Utah. Six foot, 160. Looks like he's like 12 years old in the face. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's, man, you watch him. He can rip it a little bit. Uh, I like how aggressive he is on film. He's always pushing it downfield. Seems to go through progressions pretty quick. I think he'd be a fun college quarterback. Um, what's the vibes on him? Yeah, Isaac Wilson's interesting. I don't know if they maybe have him as, you know, I guess, I mean, it could change now with Frank Ponce uh, out of there, but I know, like, you know, previously, I don't know if they look, they saw Isaac Wilson the way that maybe they saw some of these other guys. And again, yeah, he can rip it, rip it. He plays, he plays at that corner Canyon school that produced, um, that produced Jackson Dart, that produced uh, – what's this kid that signed with Ohio State that was committed to USC? Um, I can't remember his name right now, but he was like – he ended up being like a, t- a top-ranked quarterback in the – I believe it was the 2022 class. Um, so, I mean, that's an offense that they just absolutely rip it out there. You talked about the aggressiveness, 40 touchdowns, 3,700 yards. He did, throw, he did throw 17 touchdowns as a junior. So maybe a little bit too aggressive. 17 um, picks, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, 17 okay. picks. Uh, yeah, 17 interceptions, my fault. Um, so, I mean, maybe a little bit too aggressive right now, uh, at least for my liking, but I can see him ending up at one of these, like, pass-heavy schools. I think Oklahoma State offered him. I think that's a place that, you know, potentially yeah. makes sense. I think that could be a good fit. Um, if he follows his older brother's footsteps, that well, his older brother is Zach Wilson, right. uh, the New York Jets quarterback. I think I'm sure BYU has an opportunity for him. I can see him being at one of those programs where they just kind of let these guys drop back and rip it. And, you know, I could see him doing that. Well, I mean, I were you at that camp, David, that he, that he threw it yeah. at? I thought that he was, I thought he kind of got better. Like, you know, as, as his reps started kind of increasing, like as he got loose, he's right. like the ball really started to zip out of his hand. So, I, I mean, I could see him, you know, being a potential option. He is on the smaller side. Zach Wilson's obviously right. not a very big dude. I mean, he's probably 5'10". I don't know exactly what, he, what what's he listed at. Six they foot, one sixty-six. Yeah, I think that might be generous based on the last time I saw him, which is again at that summer camp. Um, but you know, I could maybe see it down the line if they maybe have to kind of start shuffling down or trending down, maybe down the board a little bit. Attention, business owners. I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now: employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W two employees and you haven't explored this program. You need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices, ASAP. The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get paid. All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today. ERClawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke.
The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text STAR directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to STAR, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text STAR today at 561-573-4661. All right. So you mentioned a little bit, but Miami. So there's a big seven on seven tournament in South Florida this weekend, Battle Miami. And so in conjunction with that, Miami is going to be having guys from that or just in general from around the state come through, uh, spend time, et cetera. So let's just start there. Like, what are you expecting? It's going to be mainly Saturday, right? Yeah. Uh, What are you expecting Saturday to look like? from a Miami hosting 2024, 2025, et cetera, big time players. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, on, uh, to be honest, I expect a, maybe a little bit of chaos, hopefully not as much chaos as there was last year, David, as we know, um, I think Miami maybe has their ducks in a row, uh, it, you know, it better than they did at that point last year. There's definitely a full recruiting staff in place. Um, all the coaches minus Frank Ponce and presumably Josh Gaddis will be there. So I think that they'll have more availability in terms of just like being able to prioritize and do certain things. It seems to me like they're going to be more organized in a way that they're maybe going to do it through three sessions where there's like a morning session where the teams may be playing in the afternoon, come through in the morning, uh, an ap- a, a, a mid afternoon session, like a, I think noon session where maybe the, some of the teams that played in the morning or playing later in the evening kind of come then. And then a, an evening session, where maybe the teams who played in the morning come then. So it seems like they're going to try to break it up so that it's a little bit more, you know, they can plan it out a little bit better. But it seems like it's just going to be an absolutely wild event. I mean, if you're subscribed to Inside the U, I have a list going of just all the big-time prospects that are basically playing in the tournament um, and expected to swing through campus because it seems like all these teams are just going to kind of come through in waves. So, uh, you know, it's going to be an opportunity for Miami to get eyes on a bunch of these guys. I'm trying to, I like just kind of thinking back to the 2020, the well, last cycle. I mean, Dante Moore, the five-star quarterback who signed with UCLA was right. on campus. Nico Yamalieva, who signed with Tennessee, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He was on campus. Uh, that was the first time Riley Williams was on campus. That was maybe not the first time, but the first time under Mario Cristobal that Jaden Wayne was on campus. Malik Bryant was on campus then. Francis Mauagoa was on campus then for the first time. You know, like members of Miami's, you know, pillar members of Miami's class of 2023, Nathaniel Joseph, was, right. uh, was there on the Friday before, you know? So, like, a bunch of guys who ended up signing with Miami all were were there at this, you know, quote-unquote elite prospect day, as as they call it. So, um, it's it's a lot of names being thrown at you, but, some you know, th- this is an opportunity for the staff to kind of lay some foundational work in terms of, you know, building these relationships and getting these guys on campus, showing them what Miami has to offer. Uh, now they have, all, obviously, all the, you know, the – the I don't know what are they called for the new for the new facility um, all the stuff that they can renderings. show them with that the renderings of the new facilities uh, so it's an exciting op- it's an exciting time for the program and you know I do think that uh, this this is going to present an opportunity to showcase what Miami has to offer to a bunch of names that maybe you wouldn't get to campus uh, maybe potentially not get to your campus at all otherwise and this could spark interest that could lead to a second visit and and so on and so forth and you know again this is the foundational work that it takes to really start building a strong uh, 2024 class to stack on top of this uh, class of 2023. So let's dive into that. Uh, who, you know, that's planning to maybe visit uh, Miami um, this weekend, you know, maybe be a potential pillar of this class, kind of like you were alluding to with last year's event and the 2023 cycle. Who are guys that you are excited about? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's so much names that I'm going to, I'll give you a few just to not like, you know, drag and drag it on. Um, I mentioned, I mentioned Julian Sane already. I think he's probably someone at the top of my personal list for all the reasons that I already mentioned that Miami needs um, a a big time arm and uh, you know, of course committed to the Crimson Tide, but 
uh, just kind of see where that can go. The next name I'm going to throw out there, Ellis Robinson, the fourth. He's the top-ranked cornerback in the class of 2024. He's, again, been around Miami before. He was just in Miami a couple weekends ago uh, for that Raw 7-on-7 showcase, so very familiar with South Florida. I do think he has legitimate interest in the program. Georgia might be the team to be right now, but again, this is a this is a process. I believe Miami's one of the five schools that he's really considering, so someone who could eventually get back to Miami for an official visit. I do think that this could potentially be a big one for, for Ellis Robinson the fourth. Um, then just kind of trickling back down someone who's not playing in the seven on seven event, uh, just kind of coming on their own. Again, we mentioned Jaden Wayne, Riley Williams. None of those guys came up were here for the seven on seven event, just kind of visited for this big event, uh, five composite five-star Camarian Franklin. He's a defensive lineman out of the state of Mississippi. Uh, he might have tried to get him down before. I don't think that worked, that worked out, but he will be now. He, now he will be down. Uh, in Coral Gables for for this elite prospect day, and again, it's all about the trenches. Uh, Franklin is uh, he's six foot four and a half, two hundred and sixty pounders, so someone that could potentially play on the interior defensive line, or maybe you know even kick out as as an edge guy. I think that he's a, I think he's a big line of scrimmage. He might be the biggest name al- amongst along the line of scrimmage that's going to be down in Miami this weekend. Um, Terrence Moore is a wide receiver out of Tampa who I think, you know, maybe doesn't have the star ratings that some of these other guys do right now. I think he's maybe like an 87 or something like that on the from, from 24-7 sports. But I think the people in Coral Gables are extremely, extremely high on him. And he's picking up offer after offer from all these major, from all these different major programs. And he's a he's definitely a, a bigger kid. Uh, so that's someone that I know Miami's really, really excited to, to kind of uh, to get down to campus. Um, and then I'm going to throw one more in terms of like my five, David, then maybe we can go through those and I'll throw out some honorable mentions, uh, Josiah Trader. And, uh, for obvious reasons, Miami needs help on at, at wide receiver and Terrence Moore, Josiah Trader are two of the best in the sunshine state, a trader six, one and a half, one seventy, someone that could probably be a power five level athlete on both sides of the ball. And, uh, I do think Miami needs to lock down some of these local wide receivers obviously they missed out on a couple here in the class of 2023. There's another loaded group coming up in 2024 and Josiah Trader is uh is definitely one that I know Miami wants to have how elite is he and and so before you go into that how big is it to kind of maybe mend fences a little bit with Shamanan Madonna right now because they had a couple guys Miami had a couple guys from Shamanan Madonna hit the portal might need to smooth that over a little bit is that fair to say yeah you know it, it is. Um, you know, I do think that that's a real, again, that's not something people maybe think about, David. I'm glad you brought that up. But yeah, you know, I do think, you know, with uh, Thad Franklin leaving, with Alan Hay leaving, you know, I do think that, you know, that's something that, you know, definitely ruffles some feathers, right? Like they didn't get the opportunity that those guys hoped, um, you know, maybe that they would get here in South Florida. But at the same time, you know, I do think that there's an argument to be had, again, from from Miami's perspective, is just like, should those guys have been here in the first place? Um, So, yeah, you know, I think you definitely have to, you know, mend those relationships. You continue to recruit their kids. I mean, that Miami, I think, you know, went all out to recruit, um, you know, Jeremiah Smith, Josiah Trader, the recruiting Zaquan Patterson. Uh, I think Miami's done a really good job of recruiting those types of guys. And at the same time, Chaminade, you know, some of the guys that recruit that's that are that Miami's recruiting ended up somewhere else. Like, for example, Miami tried to recruit Kenyatta Jackson and he ends up at Ohio State. So I think it's right. I do think it's a two way street where it's just like, yeah, you know, like you can be upset at us for, let's say, you know, this situation not working out. But we tried really, really hard to get your top guy. And not that they sent him to Ohio State, but he ended up going elsewhere. So, you know, I do think that this it's a it's a two way street where like, you know, Miami has to do its best for the program. And at the same time, Miami has tried to recruit their big kids and also have been consistently recruiting the program. So, um, yeah, maybe you got to mend a couple relationships. But I think ultimately, uh, you know, Miami's done a good job, good enough job and given those guys chances where they where they could. I mean, to Corey Couch. Uh, you know, basically started for Miami last year. I think that's one situation you can point out be like, hey, yeah, maybe these didn't work out. But look to Corey Couch, played a ton of snaps for us. Keontra Smith has gotten every opportunity that he could get, you know, here at linebacker. And, you know, maybe that hasn't been the best situation overall for him, but, you know, he's gotten opportunities to get on the field. So for those two examples, there are, others exa- there are other examples of, of things working out with those guys. 
but yeah, you know, think that obviously that's a situation where you need to continue to mend relationships and continue to, you know, build these new relationships. It's really a new staff and all that stuff. So um, I do think that there's opportunity with Chaminade, with all these really these, you know, Broward County private schools, all the, I mean, the schools in general to continue to show that Miami is the place is a place where they can, you know, confidently send their kids and they're going to get developed and, you know, hopefully one day play in the league. You view Trader as a wide receiver one in college because obviously with this high school team, he's wide receiver two just by the nature of right. Jeremiah Smith being on his team. Can he be a wide receiver one in college? I think I, I think he can, man. You know, I think he has just kind of watching him play time and time again. I mean, he, he's aggressive. He's physical. I mean, we, I've watched him make some ridiculous catches in terms of just going up over the top of guys and coming down with it. Again, you're looking for an outside guy and he has a size six, one and a half. Uh, he probably has a frame where you can probably throw a little bit of weight on him. I think he has, you know, legit speed where he can kind of, you know, get behind, maybe not the fastest dude in the world, but I think he's fast enough where he can get behind guys. I think he can definitely be, you know, a wide receiver one, maybe that like, again, the ideal wide receiver to like the perfect wide receiver too. Um, but Jeremiah Smith, obviously not a lot of those guys running around. So, uh, but I do think that, you know, J- Josiah Trader could potentially be one of those guys. Is he there right now? You know, I do think that's maybe up for debate, but I think that when, if he puts it all together, he could be one of the most talented, you know, wide outs in, in the country this cycle. And then who are some quick hitter names you'd throw out there and then we can get out of here. Yeah. A couple more wide. I mean, I think that's maybe one, again, a lot of skill positions. So a lot of DBs, sure. wide receivers, um, honorable mentions, Chance Robinson out of Fort Lauderdale, St. Thomas Aquinas, again, kind of an idea, an, an outside type of guy, I believe Alabama offered him while we were recording this podcast. So getting a lot of national attention, top 60 talent, South Florida kid need to keep him home. Uh, Mazeo Bennett is a top two, four, seven wide receiver. Miami has been recruiting. Josh Gaddis has been recruiting. So uh monkey wrench there. Let's see. I'm curious how he's, how maybe how he's kind of feeling about Miami. If Gaddis isn't really around this weekend and if that impacts anything, and the third one I'll mention is Zabian Brown. He's a top two, four, seven cornerback out of Matter Day, who's going to be playing with South Florida Express this weekend. And he told me in a message that he's he's excited to get down to Miami and and see the school. So, uh, you know, I do, again, I think they're going to try to recruit coast to coast. And Zabian Brown, again, is a guy that who's already been down in South Florida for the tryout and potentially spend more time down here as well. So uh, curious how much Miami could really get involved there. And I know uh, Coach, uh, Coach Adai, he offered uh Zapian Brown recently. So definitely a name that uh to know at cornerback. Great stuff. Gabby will be covering it all at the VIP level at insidetheu.com. So if you're not subscribed, now's the time to jump in at the start of this cycle pretty much and uh enjoy the ride with Gabby. So uh we'll be covering it all all weekend. Appreciate everyone for listening as always. Appreciate all our sponsors. Again, your support means so much to us. Uh, Everyone who listens, your support means so much to us. Uh, Until next time, take care.